0: Welcome to Healthcare Beat, a healthcare podcast brought to you by Seifarth Shaw's cross-disciplinary healthcare team. Each beat will focus on key industry trends and the latest developments while identifying practical takeaways for those in this space. I'm Adam Lawton, partner in Seifarth's corporate department and host of Healthcare Beat. Let's jump in. Today, our guest is Diane Diger. She's the chair of Seifarth's employee benefits and executive compensation department. She's here to talk to us about employer wellness programs and vaccine incentives, vaccines obviously being a hot topic for employers for lots of different reasons right now. So, Diane, welcome and thank you for your time today. Thanks for
1: having me, Adam.
0: Can you just describe for us briefly what employer wellness programs are and what sort of services they provide?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the term wellness program can be pretty broad, but there are a couple common types of wellness programs as I think about them. The first one is a disease management approach. So employees or participants in these programs might have a chronic or long-term condition that needs to be managed and the employer provides a wellness program to give them the tools to help manage that. Like for example, someone might have diabetes. The other type of wellness programs focus more on disease prevention. So these are programs that encourage healthier lifestyles. Such as stop smoking, or lose weight, or maintain a certain BMI level, get your annual flu shot, or, as we're talking about, go get the vaccine.
0: Well, those are all, you know, really important benefits, both for the employers and for the employees. Uh, What are the things, generally speaking, with wellness programs that employers have to be concerned about?
1: Yeah, I mean, they really can be a great benefit, but. As the old adage goes, no good deed goes unpunished. And the same is true with wellness programs. They're generally considered to be health plans, so they're really highly regulated. I mean, just on the federal law side alone, the Internal Revenue Code applies, so you have the IRS weighing in, ERISA applies, the U.S. Department of Labor thinks they govern these programs, the Affordable Care Act and HIPAA apply, so HHS. Ways in, and then the Americans with Disabilities Act and GINA also could apply and the EEOC can get involved. So today for vaccines, we're really going to be talking about HIPAA and the Americans with Disabilities Act as those primarily come into play for the vaccine incentive story.
0: When I mention HIPAA or when somebody brings up HIPAA, most people think of, you know, an individual's privacy, but how does HIPAA play with employer wellness programs, and how is that different from the way that we normally use that term?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question because people absolutely, you hear HIPAA and you immediately think healthcare privacy. But there was an older part of HIPAA that was around before privacy, and that's really what we're talking about here. HIPAA has some well-established rules that are regarding wellness programs and Health and Human Services, HHS, which controls HIPAA. They've divided the landscape up between participation only wellness programs and health contingent wellness programs. When we say participation only wellness programs, we're kind of thinking about those just do it type of programs. So just go get your flu shot, just take a health risk assessment. We don't actually measure if you got any healthier because of it, but take these actions. And HIPAA just says, okay, if you have a participation only program, all we really require Basically, I'm oversimplifying a little bit, but all we really require is that it's available to similarly situated folks. The EOC takes a stricter view, which I'll get to in a moment, but back to HIPAA, the health contingent programs on the other side, these are where participants are required to attain a certain outcome or achieve a certain standard. So we want people to lose weight or we want people to maintain a certain BMI level, or we want people to stop smoking. Those have Higher regulatory hurdles to cross, even on the HIPAA side for health contingent
0: programs. And just following up on that about the ADA and the EEOC, what's their main role in regulating wellness programs?
1: Yeah, so the EEOC came to this a little later in the game, but they basically say look, if a wellness program that an employer is offering involves a medical exam or a disability related inquiry, then the Americans with Disabilities Act is gonna apply. So because of that, employers who offer wellness programs have two different completely separate statutory schemes to worry about, two different governmental agencies who are really not coordinating to worry about as well if they're offering these plans. Under the ADA, the EEOC says even participation only programs are impacted. And they say this because they take the view that, you know, these programs could be conducting a medical inquiry. For example, health risk assessment. So if a wellness program involves taking a health risk assessment, that necessarily involves answering questions about your health status. That's an inquiry. Maybe even it involves taking a biometric exam. Go get a blood panel, right? That's a medical exam. So in those cases, even these kind of innocuous in HHS's view, participation only programs, the EOC says, really not so innocuous, we think the ADA is gonna apply there. And if it does, the wellness program has to be voluntary. That's their standard. Prior to 2016, the EOC's guidance on what voluntary is or was really didn't exist. And where it did exist, it was pretty unevenly enforced across the country.
0: So you mentioned 2016, and I, I remember hearing some things percolate up about wellness programs around that time. So what exactly was it that happened that year?
1: Yeah, well, um, instead of just adopting the HHS standards for wellness programs, in 2016, the EEOC issued its own regulation. Parts of it were the same as the HIPAA standards for employers. For example, they said, you know, the, the wellness program has to be reasonably designed to promote health and prevent disease. That's the same as HIPAA. But they also imposed other standards. They said it can't be a gateway plan that's intended to allow you to get into another program where enhanced benefits would be offered. They required specialized notice about how the information gathered as part of the wellness program would be used. And importantly, they had different limits than HHS had imposed if you were going to offer a reward for participating in a wellness program. And they said that reward could not be more than 30% of the cost of the program. And if you were going to offer a reward, you had to offer a reasonable accommodation to get out of having to take that wellness-related action, whatever that was, and still get that reward. So that same year, also in 2016, ARP actually challenged the EEOC regs. They, They specifically challenged the reward aspect of the regs. And in 2017, the court agreed and struck down that portion. They delayed kind of the effective date of uh, when that portion of the reg was going to be killed to say at the end of 2018. So there was a lot going on in 2016.
0: And I'm assuming the EEOC did something about that, you know, in response to the court's order.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, employers who offer wellness programs were thinking and hoping that the EEOC would take that delayed period of time and have new regs in place by the end of 2018. So by 1-1-2019, we would have guidance, but that didn't happen. As you can imagine, at the end of 2020, when we had a new administration coming in, there was a rush by all agencies, not just the EEOC, to push out guides before the new administration came in. In early 2021, pre-inauguration, the EEOC regs were finally issued. And on the plus side, they did model them on the HIPAA regs by splitting out the way they looked at wellness programs between the participation-only group and the health contingent group. And Also, fortunately, the health contingent programs followed the HIPAA rules, So they basically said, hey, if you meet the HIPAA rules for health contingent wellness programs, you're also good under the ADA. But on the participation only side, they went stricter on the incentive side. So they basically said, look, if you're going to offer incentives for people getting a reward under participation only programs, that incentive can only be de minimis. And the example they used for a de minimis award was giving someone a water bottle or a small token gift card. So really not not much of a reward for participating in that type of a program. Later that month and into February, the Biden administration pulled a lot of the new regs that the agencies had issued, including these regs for all practical purposes. So while employers are not at the moment technically limited to that de minimis standard, the ability to offer incentives under the ADA remained a bit unclear.
0: That was, wow, a really in-depth review of of everything employer wellness programs. So now sort of bringing us up to date, you know, we've got COVID vaccines out there and employers are potentially thinking about how to integrate those into their wellness offerings. So these things that you've described with the ADA and HIPAA, how how do those apply to COVID vaccine incentives?
1: Yeah, the timing couldn't have been more perfect, right? So employers are wanting to start to reopen their workplaces, and they want to do it in a healthy and a safe manner. And, you know, there's general consensus that the more people who are vaccinated, the easier it's going to be able to do that. Some employers, particularly in the healthcare industry, in the street, uh, are considering making the vaccine mandatory. Other employers are not going that far, right? So they're saying, okay, instead of mandatory, why don't we offer an incentive to our employees who actually get the vaccine? And so now we're back to our, what kind of an incentive can we offer? Vaccination programs are going to be these participation only programs that we've been talking about that just do it, right? Just go get the vaccine type of program under both HIPAA and the Americans with Disabilities Act. HIPAA, no hurdle. We can present the incentive, no limits on the size. The ADA, we were in a bit of this no man's land. We didn't know what the EEOC was gonna allow They did send out some clarifying guidance at the end of last year that said, well, the shot itself, the vaccine itself, is not a medical exam, but the questions that inevitably are part of getting a vaccine, you know, the do you have any allergic reaction kind of questions, right? Those are medical exams, medical questions, medical inquiries, and so the AD is going to apply if you are having a program that offers vaccination now many of us thought that hey if you have no relationship to the party that's actually administering the vaccine it's not the employer conducting the medical inquiry so the ada shouldn't apply so for example an employee goes to the local walgreens gets the vaccine the employer's not going to be conducting the inquiry about you know were you allergic to anything but other employers wanted to hold vaccination clinics on site and they were more concerned about offering an incentive so finally a couple weeks ago the EOC did issue some guidance on vaccines and incentives. And, of course, there's uh, the pushing this along is the government's desire to get U.S. people vaccinated, right, to get to the goal of 70% of the adult population being vaccinated by the 4th of July. So this de minimis incentive um, was uh, kind of standing in the way of that a little bit. Uh, and, in fact, we did find out through the EOC's guidance, they, they confirmed a few things we were thinking. They confirm that where the vaccine is administered by third party, the ADA is not going to apply. So in that case, the employer can offer any size incentive they want to employees who confirm their vaccination status to the employer. So if you upload your information or in your vaccina- vaccination card, uh, we can give you an incentive for doing that. They also confirm that on the other side that the ADA is going to apply to employers who offer who get involved in the vaccination process somehow so either by offering an on-site clinic or engaging an agent that we direct people to to go get that vaccine so in that case the concerns about can we offer an incentive and how big can it be are present again they've backed away from their de minimis language they had just back in january Uh, you don't find that language anywhere in the new guidance instead they use language that says you know, the incentive can't be a quote, very large incentive. Um, It can't be so large that it would make employees feel pressured to disclose their medical information. If it did that, then it's gonna violate the act. So it's not crystal clear, but apparently we can give more than a water bottle uh, under the new EEOC guidance.
0: Well, Diane, I wanna thank you again. This has been such useful information and such an in-depth history of all the back and forth. If you had to sort of boil this down into, you know, two or three takeaways or to-do items for employers, what would you advise them?
1: Well, if an employer wants to offer an incentive to, you know, help uh, safely open their workplaces and encourage their workforces to get the vaccine, I think the first step is to determine if the employer itself is going to be involved. Are you going to have a program where you just want people to voluntarily disclose their vaccination status? have a program people are uploading their vaccination cards and you're giving them some sort of an incentive to do that you really don't have to worry about the size of the incentive then you can make that determination based on what you think in your area um, is going to encourage people to get the vaccine right now the vaccine is pretty widely available although that still varies a bit by geography so you know that might not be a bad way to go but if you think ah, you know what it's to get my people to get the vaccine just where we are knowing my workforce we want to maybe have an onsite clinic or we want to you know just make the path a little smoother for people to get the vaccine and we want to give an incentive to do that then you do have to be somewhat concerned about the ADA but you can offer an incentive that's reasonable and and not too pressure cooking to you know make people think i really can't i have to get this vaccine cuz i just that reward is so large i can't i can't in good conscience leave it behind so Basically, that's it. what extent are you going to get involved? And if you're going to get involved at the front end, then how large of an incentive do you want to provide?
0: Well, I want to thank Diane again for her time today and sharing her expertise and experience with us. And thank you for joining us today for another edition of CIFAR's Healthcare Beat Podcast, bringing you the latest developments and pressing issues in healthcare you'll never miss an episode, be sure to visit SciFart.com, where you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We look forward to having you with us again soon.